Let us begin with a prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, on this amazing day of grace, this weekend of many, many, many merciful benefits and graces that you give to us, we ask that we open our minds and hearts to receive this grace, and through the intercession of St. Faustina, may Almighty God bless all here our loved ones, and our families, and our friends. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay, so thank you again, everybody, for coming. What I'm going to do here is I took some core things from talks I've done in the past, but I've added a bunch of new stuff that I think is very important. But I'm going to give you a recap uh, exactly what you need to do to get the graces of Divine Mercy Sunday. But again, I've added some things and I've, uh, you know, I've made a change uh, in, 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 in different things. So, uh, by the way, um, you know, there's talk about where's all the good men, you know, where's all the good men. They're all in seminary. Well, one of the good men that was in seminary that dropped out is cameraman Giuseppe. So he's over here. So cameraman Giuseppe so, so. So the nice young ladies at home and, and Father Don is awesome. You guys all know Father Don and I love the Filipinos. They love, we love the Filipinos. And so we mean this with all love, but Father Don says it best. And he says, Father, if you don't become a priest, I have a beautiful daughter. <laughs> I, I love that. And, and, and we mean that with all love and respect. All right. Now I'm going to start with something that Father Don talked about. And yes, it is very true. We got to be very careful uh, what's going on in the world today, this woke culture. That's not, not going to be the topic of this talk, but just to finish with what Father Don was saying, I added a couple quick things here. I don't know if you guys know, uh, you know, the world, well, you do know this, the world is in a mess, but do you know this family? Does anybody know this family? Mark Houck, right? All right. Pro-life. Had a slight altercation, defended his son, praying out in front of abortion clinic. Family of seven. They are listed by the FBI as a terrorist family. All right. Threatened by the FBI as a team of 25 agents showed up with shields and long guns. They showed up. They threatened this man with 11 years in prison. The Department of Justice, all right, all this because he defended his son in an abortion clinic. This is what our Department of Justice is after. They tried everything. I don't know if it's over. It may be, but they were pushing 11 years of prison. Now, just recently, on record, a transgender, violent person attacked a Catholic church. This is on video of the security camera. See the rock? They have the video of them smashing the window. This is the transgender desecrated the altar, desecrated the altar smashed it, spray painted the church with words that started with an F, assaulted one of the employees that tried to get him to stop or her, whatever you call it. This was 
an assault. The Department of Justice said no jail time. <laughs> Recommended no jail time whatsoever. What is going on? We are in a mess. We are in a mess. The only answer, divine mercy. Divine mercy. It's the only answer. It's the only answer. Jesus said, souls perish in spite of my bitter passion. I am giving them the last hope of salvation. Please underline that. The last hope of salvation. That is the feast of my mercy tomorrow. 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 If they will not adore my mercy, they will perish for all eternity. Can any of you go before our Lord and say, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you warn me? Here it is. They will perish for all eternity. Secretary of my mercy. Who's he talking to? Faustina. Right. Tell all souls about this great mercy of mine because the awful day, the day of my justice is near. That was 92 years ago. Can he be more patient with us? Can he? <clears throat> now, Jesus says, if you don't pass through the doors of my mercy, you must pass through the doors of my justice. John Paul too. There's nothing the world needs more than mercy. But you know what? If you might be sitting there, and I know there's some of you. Oh yeah, this is good father, but it ain't going to change the way the world's in a mess, right? Well, let me tell you, we have a priest. He was supposed to be here today, but he got delayed. If you haven't met him already, Father Richard Shabu. He's a uh, Nigerian priest that's been with us marrying fathers from the past. I can't explain what this guy personifies the priesthood and divine mercy. Boko Haram terrorist group kidnapped seven religious, six priests and a nun, and held them hostage in Nigeria, took them out into the woods, demanded ransom. Nobody, not even in the Catholic Church, got involved because you know how that works, right? You pay the ransom, it just empowers them to come back, kidnap more, demand more money. This is their game. Father Richard got involved, risked his life, risked his life, and they went into, took them three days just to hike in was sicker than you can imagine. And so he got them out. And in the meantime, these terrorists were fascinated with Father Richard. These are all Islamic terrorists, Boko Haram, fascinated. So Father Richard gets the release. He's saying mass at his little church in Nigeria and 12 terrorists bust in, in the middle of mass with explosives strapped under their clothes, 
They were going to blow up the church in the name of Allah. Father Richard is saying the mass. They come in, there's 12 of them. And they come in and Father Richard just exudes holiness, mercy, and love. I, I, I can't even explain it. If you ever see this guy and he, he'll be up here on the hill, he's going to come here for two months. I'm telling you, that's Jesus visiting our, our hill. And he's coming, we think, next month. You can ask for Father Richard Shabu. We have two Father Richards, but Richard Shabu, just from Nigeria. So they come in, strapped with explosives to blow up the church. And Father Richard starts praying. And all of a sudden, the leader falls to his knees and had a vision of Mary and Jesus. And he fell down and the other 11 are there. And the leader falls down, sees Jesus and Mary and literally gets up and tells them, Jesus is God. Jesus is real. This is, this is what happens. Now, it doesn't end there. Father Richard talks them out. They do not use their explosives. Instead of calling the police, Father Richard talks with them, meets with them. All of a sudden, this man has this conversion. The other 11 are kind of watching. Father Richard starts talking to them. They're all now in the Catholic Church. Can you believe that? That is incredible. That's Father Richard in the middle. These others here were the members of Boko Haram. Those are all terrorists that gave up and laid their guns down. They literally came to Father Richard. I can't even imagine. And they came to Father Richard with their automatic weapons and laid them at his feet. This is Father Richard. Right there. Amazing. There they are. And I'm just like, Father Richard, if I could ever be half the priest you are. This is Christ. And so Father Richard... The example, the leaders saw Jesus and Mary and the others fouled in conversion. That's what divine mercy can do. You don't think it can convert your son who just plays video games? If it can convert 12 terrorists, <laughs> it can convert your son. <laughs> Amazing. And so people are just like, but father, I mean, this divine mercy thing, it's optional. It's just devotions. And my priest says devotions, you know, you, you really shouldn't put a lot of emphasis on them. All right, there's a big point here. Yes, devotions are optional, but not this one because this is a devotion to God. It's not a devotion, believe it or not, to St. Anthony or, or, or even Mary and Joseph, as powerful as that is. Divine mercy is a devotion to God. All right, this is devotion to Jesus himself, not the saints. And so, I mean, my life was changed. When I think back to my conversion, a lot of you know the story. Really, I'm here because God brings a greater good out of even the worst evil. 
God brings, you know, that's divine mercy. And, and, and my priesthood came from the suicide of my grandmother and God brings his greater good out of anything. But really the first spark that changed me to come back to the church was a simple line in the diary that says, if you pray this chaplet, even once you will have the graces necessary for salvation. Think about those words. You pray this chaplet even once. Wow, does that sound, does that sound unimportant? What about this? Well, it's not biblical, Father. Oh, yeah? First John 2, chapter 2, verse 2. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only ours, but the sins of the whole world. What does that sound like? The chaplet of divine mercy. You know why the chaplet was given? Now, those who really watch the Miriam talks, <laughs> you can go way back on this one. The chaplet was given to stop abortion. St. Faustina saw an angel ready to strike at the city of Warsaw, right? Strike at the city of Warsaw. And all of a sudden she was given words in her heart on what to pray to stop the, the angel from striking. And Jesus told her, when you go into the chapel, pray these words. And these words rendered that angel helpless. What was the angel going to do? It was going to strike at the most beautiful city in Poland. All right. Now, it does not say in the diary why, but later they asked Blessed Michael Sapochko, her confessor, what this was all about. And he had asked St. Faustina what this was all about. And you know what she told him? What Faustina told Michael Sapochko? That that chaplet was given. And why was the angel going to strike at Warsaw? Because Warsaw was the abortion capital of Europe. Now, also, St. Faustina writes in her diary in detail that she got the most excruciating pains, the most horrible pains in her stomach between the hours of 8 and 11 p.m. This is in the diary. You can read it. And Sapochko asked her about it. They know for a fact that the abortion clinics in Warsaw did a vast majority of their abortions between 8 and 11 p.m. So Faustina had this horrible pain, and she asked Jesus, now this is in the diary, and she asked Jesus, what is this? And he said, this is an atonement for the sins of mothers who murder the children in the womb. This is in the diary. And so he gave her that chaplet because the justice of God was going to have the angel strike at the city of Warsaw. And so the angel's getting ready to strike and Faustina sees this. God gave her a vision of it. And so Faustina scared to death. All of a sudden these words come to her for the sake of my sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. And she kept repeating the words that we now know as the chaplet. And then this angel was helpless. He could not strike. Why? Because he was going to strike for the sin of abortion. This is the power of the chaplet. This is not just optional. The chaplet. What about the novena? The novena is powerful. Uh, if you're around today at three o'clock, I will be giving a talk out at the outdoor shrine on the ninth day of the novena about lukewarm sinners. 
We invite all of you to come at three o'clock. We're going to do the chaplet together. And it's about lukewarm sinners. We're going to talk to you the power of a novena. Now, the novena of divine mercy is unique. Father Don mentioned if you lose something, you pray to St. Anthony. If you have cancer, you pray to St. Peregrine. What do you pray for in the divine mercy novena? It's the only novena we have that's not our intentions. It's God's intentions. All right, so this is powerful. Uh, what about, we all know this, the image of divine mercy. All right, more powerful words from Jesus. The soul that venerates this image will never perish. Again, powerful. We know the rays. All right. These rays are everything and it's tied to divine mercy. Why? Because Satan, you've heard me say this before. Now, this is the recap part of my talk. We're going to get into other stuff. But Satan only has two tools, sin. And what's the result of sin? Yeah. Death. And so... What we have in the rays of, of divine mercy are the ways to, to crush those two tools of Satan. Satan's first great tool is sin. What wipes away sin? The cleansing waters of baptism and confession. The white ray, the water. The cleansing waters of baptism and confession wipe out the first tool of Satan's sin. What's the second tool of Satan? The result of sin Death. What wipes out death? Life. What was life to the Jews? Blood. And so we have the blood. This is amazing. This is what we have. Now, the image comes with so much protection. Speaking of Warsaw, do you know that Hitler was so furious at the Warsaw Uprising, I think it was 1944, that he ordered the complete leveling of the entire city of Warsaw? All right. So Hitler, uh, who they pretty much know was, was possessed, this was his reaction to the Warsaw Uprising in World War II. He leveled the city. They have documentation that there was, and Father Seraphim taught me this, there was something like four or five buildings in the entire old section or wherever it was that the, the, the leveling was. It's, everything was leveled to the ground. There was like four or five buildings left. They have it documented that every one of those had the image of divine mercy in them. This is documented. They have this. And this is, this is to me, an amazing fact. Okay? And so um, what, about, what about this one? Have you guys seen this on our website? Have you guys seen this? The, you haven't seen this story. You got to look this one up. This, this one here is a story. Of, the guy's name is Ron Regalis. And um, he was in, in Long Island. We have some Long Island guests here. That, oh, here they are right here. So we have, yes, there's our other ladies. Wonderful. Um, so this was when Hurricane Sandy was ripping up the coast. His neighborhood was right in the direct line, going to get just blown away. And everybody's packing up, moving out. He consecrates his house to, to the protection of divine mercy. And he takes out the image into the face of the storm. Everybody else is leaving, holds the image up under the protection of the image to, to protect his house. He leaves, everybody leaves. The storm rolls in, destroys that whole section. Uh, his neighborhood is wiped out. All the houses, trees through the roofs, windows blown out, everything. And all of a sudden in the midst of all this destruction is this perfectly untouched house. And what he said was amazing is uh, the fact that the water, the floodwaters had come up and flooded all the houses. And 
the water went all the way around his house and never into the house. And again, this is not a magic wand or a rabbit's foot, but it's trust. What is the essence of the message of God in divine mercy? Trust. In fact, Abraham was not so much the father of faith as he was the father of trust because God asked him to sacrifice the boy by which he said, all the progeny, all the, the, the descendants of Israel will come through this boy, right? All of them didn't say through Ishmael. They said through Isaac. And he said, the, the, your descendants will be as great as the stars of the sky or sands on the seashore. And all of a sudden you're asking me to kill this little guy. You're asking me to kill him. Well, that little guy is a perfect typology of Christ. Do you know that they hiked for three days to get to the place where Abraham was going to sacrifice him? The father offered his son. Sound familiar? Do you know on both sides of them, they had two attendants. And so Isaac, who was going to be sacrificed, had a man on his left and a man on his right as they traveled. Do you know that he carried the wood up the hill for the sacrifice? Now, I mean, come on, this is amazing. And then all of a sudden, the father who's willing to offer the son has been told that all the descendants will come through this little boy. And now you're asking me to kill him. Like, I got to have some trust here. So Abraham's just like, okay, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it. But somehow you're, you're asking me to kill this little guy. Somehow you're going to fulfill your promise. I trust, even if you got to raise this little guy from the dead. This is trust. <laughs> trust is the vessel. You all want to get to heaven? I want to get to heaven. You heard me say before, you can't get to heaven but with, without grace. Grace. Grace is the way to get to heaven. But trust is the vessel by which all grace is received. Now, people still say, well, Father, this is optional. Divine Mercy Sunday is not optional. <laughs> all right. Now, why? Why do I say that? Because the Sacred Congregation for Divine Worship, April 30th, 2000, formalized this declaration when John Paul put it on the universal, or when he put it as declared it as a feast. They formalized this declaration and by its inclusion in the Roman Missal made it binding throughout the universal church. Did you hear that? This is the little note you can give to your parish priest that says this is optional. You know why the parish priest thinks it's optional? You know why they think that? Faulty translation. Good people listen to these talks. You see? That's Tanya. Tanya. Tanya is one of our Marian all-stars. You know what's funny? Because I check, I read every comment we ever get. And every comment we ever get, I read. Now, I can't answer them all. There's not enough time. But I, and I can't get to them all. And I get back to my room usually about midnight from the office every night. And then I try to sit down and answer these comments. I'm like, I read the comment. I'm like, oh, geez, that's a long one. I have to get on and I click on it. Tanya and Karen have already answered it for me. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, so that, that's an awesome part of our Marian family. So, but anyway, why they think this is because the Roman Missal says the second Sunday of Easter or 
Divine Mercy Sunday. Now, when you think or, it's optional. Want an apple or an orange? But doesn't or also refer to the same thing? What's parked out there? A car or an automobile? Ooh, they're the same thing. <laughs> so the wording of the missile translated from the Latin, the word seu actually is not second Sunday of Easter or Divine Mercy Sunday. That's a mistranslation. It's actually the second Sunday of Easter. That is Divine Mercy Sunday. Namely, Divine Mercy Sunday. It's not optional. And God bless our priests, but we got to educate them. Pope Benedict said divine mercy is not a secondary devotion, but an integral part of Christian life and prayer. He said divine mercy, the message of divine mercy is the nucleus of the gospel. If something's the nucleus of the gospel, does that sound optional? No. When John Paul, when he canonized St. Faustina in 2000, did you know this? He met with the Marians. John Paul. That night, that night, met with the Marian fathers. And he met with the Marian priests and brothers. And he said, and I quote this. This is what he told us Marians. Now, I wasn't there yet. I believe the reason I was made Pope was for divine mercy. Basically, to canonize Sister Faustina and institute the Feast of Divine Mercy. This is the happiest day of my life. That's John Paul. How come we never hear about that? And even St. Faustina, she saw her own canonization. She wrote about this. She saw her own canonization. This is amazing. And you know this story, I've never told this too often, but I tell you this one is worth saying again. St. Faustina, before she passed away, Back in the 1930s, she died October 5th, 1938, which, by the way, is cameraman Giuseppe's birthday. So, so he needed St. Faustina to look out for him, so that's why. But what we, what we have in the diary, St. Faustina wrote very clearly, is that she saw the Holy Father. And she saw the Holy Father. And she, this is in the diary. And she saw St. Peter. And there's the Holy Father, she said, sitting at this massive gathering. It was her own canonization. And she saw St. Peter. And she wrote in the diary, I saw St. Peter whisper in the Holy Father's ear. Now, if you've seen this, it's amazing. If you watch John Paul II, if you've seen the clip of this event, John Paul II was looking up like he was in a trance. There was no plans to announce there was nothing that was leaked or any announcement that we were going to be making divine mercy in addition to canonization of Faustina, which was planned, that they were going to institute the feast of divine mercy. And all of a sudden, John Paul II looks like he's in a trance. That's when St. Faustina was watching St. Peter go up and whisper in his ear. And all of a sudden, he declares the feast of divine mercy. In my opinion, St. Peter went to his ear and he said, now is the time of mercy. And John Paul II announced that this is amazing. And you know the story of John Paul II? He died. Uh, Cardinal Jeevich was right here at the shrine. His right-hand man for 40 years, his, his, uh, his secretary. 40 years he served John Paul. He came here. He was here. Some of you might have been here. Celebrated mass, met with us. And he told us an incredible story. 
Y'all know the story of John Paul II dying, right? That story is unbelievable. Cardinal Jeevitz said it was the night before Divine Mercy. He had already been to daily mass, had gone to confession, but he wasn't going to do mass again to the next day, which was Divine Mercy Sunday. Cardinal Jeevitz says all of a sudden about five o'clock, which you now can celebrate the vigil for the feast of Divine Mercy. He got this inspiration to celebrate mass for Divine Mercy Sunday with John Paul. He ignored it. Then about an hour later, this feeling came back, celebrate mass with John Paul II for Divine Mercy Sunday. This is on the vigil and he ignored it. Finally, it's about 8.30 and the Holy Spirit convicted him to celebrate mass for Divine Mercy Sunday. The whole time John Paul II was getting weaker and weaker. And he said, <clears throat> he said, this time he listened. Can you imagine, I always say, Cardinal rummaging through getting purificators and corporals and, and he celebrated mass for Divine Mercy Sunday with John Paul II. He received Holy Communion and died 25 minutes later. That is the gift that he got from God, from Divine Mercy. Now, this is why we have this gift on this one day. I'm going to give you a quick summary now. This is what I've been talking about the last couple of days. And then we're going to move on to something else. But I got to repeat this because this is, if, you, if there's one person in here who hasn't heard it, you need to hear this. What is Divine Mercy, okay? And what is the Feast of Divine Mercy? All right. First of all, Divine Mercy is basically... The love of the Trinity, which the, the Trinity has perfect love within itself. When that perfect love between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit goes outside of itself, we have mercy. And when, when that love went outside of itself, what did we have? Creation, right? So you all know that, the first act of mercy. Now, we all know it's defined. Father Seraphim used to define it as loving the unlovable and forgiving the unforgivable. Please, if you have any unforgiveness in your heart, I beg you, please get to confession today. There's priests here in confessions all day. Nobody is worth losing your soul over. No matter what they've done. I know there's some horrible things that people have done to one another. I get it. I get it. I do. But nobody is worth losing your soul over. I always use that example, how ironic that somebody who did something horrendous to you could end up in heaven and you in hell because of it. Father, how's that possible? All right. That person who did the horrendous thing, they repent. They go to confession. They tell you they're sorry. They tell God they're sorry. You reject it. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. You refuse to forgive. You didn't do anything wrong. They did. I shouldn't have to forgive them. You don't forgive them. They repent. They feel terrible. What they did was wrong. They know it was wrong. They can end up in heaven. You, who refuse to forgive, absolutely will never forgive them. You could be lost. How ironic. That is why you got to get to confession, especially if you have any of unforgiveness. Now, the absolute powerful thing here is, is okay, so Father Seraphim defined mercy as loving the unlovable, forgiving the unforgivable. I've always gone with the definition of it's a particular mode of love. It's the highest form of love that when love encounters suffering, it takes action to do something about it. It doesn't just sit there, right? And so, God, what did he do when he saw our suffering in the garden? The gift of a savior and the promise or the promise of a savior and the gift of a mother, right? This is what God did for us. Okay, now, so Jesus said that I want this feast on the Sunday after Easter. Again, this is going to be a quick recap, then we'll move on. But this is so important. Jesus said he wants the feast of his mercy in on, I should say, the Sunday after Easter. That has to be on this day. Why? Why? Because it completes what we call an octave. 
If you've listened to our talks, you've heard this. Basically, when a feast is so big that it can't be celebrated in one day, the church celebrates it over eight days. It's all one day. Do you know that we're in Easter right now? This is Easter, right? So we ate meat yesterday. And, um, and so, wait a minute, yeah, yeah, yesterday, Friday, Friday. So, so we can because it's, it's the huge, biggest celebration of the year in the church, right? And so this eight days is what we call an octave. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. So Jesus said, I want Divine Mercy Sunday, the Sunday after Easter. Why? Because it's part of this octave. Now, the first day of the octave, you all know I've taught you this before, is Divine, or excuse me, Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday, day one of the octave, day one. So you have Easter Sunday, day one. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Divine Mercy Sunday, the eighth day. Why is this important? Recap, because on Easter Sunday, Jesus opened the door to heaven. The next seven days, because seven is the perfect number to the Jews, you've heard me say, regarding time, eternity. So the next seven days are your pilgrimage on, uh, called life. But it is on that eighth day. And what did eight mean to the Jews? eternity eight represented eternity to the Jews so on that eighth day you are going to enter into eternity and Christ is the groom and on your eighth day guess who you're going to meet you're Christ you are the bride and Jesus wants to take you home into the bridal chamber that's what the sanctuary is the holy of holies the bridal chamber what happens in the bridal chamber consummation what happens God the groom we the bride it's united it's consummated father Don talked about cancel culture here's my cancel culture here it is here it is I'm gonna get canceled people always say all the time why isn't the church more open to women priests it's not sexism it's not chauvinism this is not what it's about at the altar, who is that priest? In persona Christi. He's in the person of Christ. Christ was a male. We can't change that. At the altar, the whole nuptial meaning of the mass is a wedding. And in this, the church fathers teach us that Christ is the groom. And who's the priest at the altar? He's Christ. From that altar comes the seed. The seed goes out from the altar. The male, who produces the seed? The male. And that is received by what? The female. And who's the feminine? The church. The church receives that seed given from the priest, the male, from the altar. The church, this is why we call her mother church, is the feminine. She receives that seed. She fosters it. She gives birth. That's the whole essence of life. And my cancel culture is this. If you have no offense, men and women are equal, but different. We have different roles, different skill sets. I mean, let me tell you, when I was a little kid and I fell and hurt my knee, I didn't go running to my dad. I went running to my mom <laughs> because I knew I was going to get empathy. My dad was going to, if I went running to my dad, so, you know, there's my dad, Vietnam vet, uh, helicopter pilot, flew out of Da Nang. My dad would have looked at me and said, you're crying over that. <laughs> Get back in the ball game. 
And, and, and so we went to mom, we have different skill sets, but if that altar, if you place a woman to give that seed to the feminine of the church, you have lesbianism. It's lesbianism. The meaning of the whole essence of the mass is the nuptial between the man and the woman. And so this is what happens is you've always heard me say, when you come up this aisle where well, there's no aisle now, but when you come up, you receive the groom as they're waiting for you at the altar, just like a Catholic wedding. And so this is why we have to have it. This is why this day is so important because when we enter into eternity, Christ, the groom wants to take us, the bride home with him. He wants us to meet who his mother and his father, right? But before he can do that, what did every Jewish man want his bride to be? Spotless, spotless. And so this is the whole meaning. And so when Christ comes for us at the end of time, is he going to find us spotless? Let me tell you, if he didn't clean us up, he ain't going to find anybody spotless. So he's got to clean us up. How does he clean us up? All right, let's start with confession. Confession is, yes, how God cleans us up from the stain of sin. But Catholic teaching has always been that after you come out of that confessional, while the, the eternal punishment due to sin, hell, that's wiped away, most likely your temporal punishment remains. Unless you are so full of perfect contrition, unless you are so sorry and you're on your hands and knees, bawling your eyes out, crying up and down that you are so sorry to do it, what you did, and you'll never do it again, unless you have that level of contrition, you have punishment remaining. Guess what, everybody? When Christ comes for you on the eighth day, he's not going to be able to take you home yet. You've got some work to do. Now, purgatory, non-Catholics attack us all the time. You're telling me that Jesus did not finish the completion of the forgiveness of sins on the cross and that we need purgatory. What do you answer that? Do we believe, do we as Catholics, why do we believe that purgatory is for the forgiveness of sins? You're all wrong. <laughs> Purgatory does not exist for the forgiveness of sins. The sins were forgiven in the confessional. You don't make it to purgatory if you die in any state of unrepentant mortal sin. You're lost. But with the mercy of God, we're forgiven in the confessional. Well, then, Father, what the heck's purgatory for? Purgatory is to detach from those sins that I've been forgiven from, but I'm still holding on to. Father Don talked about pornography, all right? I could go to the confessional or alcoholism, take your pick. I can go into the confessional and confess, you know, Father, I fell, I, uh, you know, back in my 20s, okay? I go in the confessional, Father, I fell, I looked at an image of an adult woman on the internet and I messed up, all right? You're forgiven of the sin, but two days later, I fell right back into it, right? You're attached, you need to break that attachment. That's the purpose of purgatory. What else is the purpose of purgatory? And it's not the forgiveness of sins. What else does purgatory do for you? It atones for the sins that you've already been forgiven of. The boy in the window, you've all heard my example. Father says, don't play baseball in the yard. Boy plays baseball, breaks the window. Dad comes home, says you're forgiven, but you're grounded and you're paying for this out of your allowance. 
He still forgave him. This is where the Protestants don't understand it. The boy was forgiven. Jesus forgave you in the confessional. He forgave you on the cross, but you still have to pay for the consequence. And no good father is going to say, well, you broke the window. I told you not to go have fun with your friends now. That's not a good dad. So purgatory also is for the purpose of atoning for the consequences of your sin. And what's the third reason for purgatory? All this is purification. So what's the third purpose? Prepare you for heaven. What does the bride do before meeting the groom? She gets all cleaned up. She gets all ready. This is her job. She wants to look beautiful. You too will be happy for purgatory. You know who they say you'll be happiest for the most when you die? The people who annoyed you the most. All right? Cameraman Giuseppe's my way to heaven. <laughs> no, I love cameraman Giuseppe. I love cameraman Giuseppe. I couldn't imagine doing what we do without that guy. So you will be most thankful for those who annoyed you the most because the way to heaven is the cross. And those who annoy you are giving you cross after cross after cross. So this is what it is. So this eighth day, all this comes out. All right. And so Jesus gives us an opportunity to be cleansed of those stains that'll be prohibiting us from getting to heaven. What are they? Sin. And the result of sin is punishment. We just mentioned that you can wipe away in purgatory. Now, if Jesus comes for you on the eighth day, eighth day represents eternity. Eighth day is the day you die and you have any stain of sin on your soul. What do you got to do? Get to confession. That's why the first thing Jesus said to do in the promise Go to confession. Now, if you've been to confession, but you're still attached to some of your sins, gluttony, impatience. I mean, okay, so I say it all the time. You've heard my videos. It's like, okay, we're all works in progress, right? I mean, I know my sins. I know my sins. Lord, I, I sound like a broken record. All right? Gluttony. Little Debbie snack cakes. I mean, <laughs> I... I'm going to be in purgatory for years for those things. It's, it's just a fact. Lord, help me here. And, and, and so gluttony, what about patience? All right. So sometimes God intervenes. You know, when G-Man and I, we, I call him G-Man, cameraman Giuseppe. We got this, this long day. We've been working like crazy. We got deadline after deadline. And Mary Clark goes over to me and she says, Father Chris, you know, you still... By tomorrow, i got to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And Mary looks up at me. She says, I'm so stressed out. I'm like, it's me, not you. So we're trying to get all this stuff done. And, and, and I'm usually really impatient with this kind of stuff. I'm like, why didn't we do this earlier? Why didn't we do this? Blah, 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 blah. So we go and we film. I'm exhausted. So cameraman Giuseppe sets up the camera inside the shrine I can't get it right. I, I, I start again and I'm trying to explain and, and give the teaching. I can't get it. I can't get it. And I'm starting to teach again and I can't get it. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't get this. I can't get this. I can't get this. So I stop. I'm like, oh, all right, all right. Pray, let's regroup. So finally, I get it. And I went through the whole thing, not having to stop, not having to retake. I nailed the whole thing. And all of a sudden... <laughs> Cameraman Giuseppe looks up and he says, um, 
we're gonna have to redo this. And, and I said, why? And he says, I forgot to hit record. Now, sometimes God intervenes because I went like this and no words could come out of my mouth. No words. And Giuseppe, well, actually, I should say the important part. Before I did that, before I opened my mouth, cameraman Giuseppe did the key thing. He looked at me and he says, have mercy on me. <laughs> so after he says, I forgot to hit record, he knew the magic words. So after he says, I forgot to hit record, and I'm, ah, he lays it on me. Have mercy on me. And not a single word could come out of my mouth. Not a single word. God intervened. God intervened and said, I'm sticking up for cameraman Giuseppe. And so that was the time that I stopped. I put my head down and I said, okay, we're going to do it again. And I smiled. And G-Man, after laying that have mercy, I mean, how could you get angry with that? That's what cameraman Giuseppe taught me that day. The patience. So if we have any impatience, purgatory. If we have any gluttony, purgatory. This will be broke. So if we have any of these stains on our, on our, on our soul, God can't take us to heaven. We either don't make it because we got unrepentant mortal sin and we're lost, or we got to stop over in purgatory until we clean up and get rid of the attachments. You get the point? So now God wants us to be with him in heaven. So he gives us another way. And there's many ways to clean up a sin and punishment like plenary indulgences. But you've heard me say those, you have to have no attachment to sin. It's hard, but he gives us another way. Divine mercy Sunday. And Jesus says on that day, the soul that has been to confession that wipes away the sin. And the soul that goes to Holy Communion, that wipes away through the grace of this day, all the punishment. He says that soul will be completely cleansed. You will be ready for heaven. Now, people always say to me, Father, geez, if I could just clean my slate, if I could just do a redo, if I could just go through my life and clean up and redo the mess. Now you can. Everything is cleansed. Everything is forgiven. Now, again, you've always heard me say this. It's not a magic wand or a rabbit's foot. You got to have rectification of the will. If you're living in sin, you can't just be like, oh, you know, hey, uh, I can continue now. You know, it's funny because, you know, mercy can be too much, okay? Father Walter Gurgle. Have anybody, have you, you, this was a man beyond a man. This was one of our priests. Father Walter Gurgel was so incredible. His mercy was off the charts. You could go to Father Gurgel for confession and you could say, Father, I just embezzled $100,000 from my company. I just cheated on my wife for the 50th time. I'm cheating on my taxes. I'm not going to church. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. And he would go, beautiful confession, beautiful <laughs> confession. And I'm like, Father, did you just hear my confession? And, 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 and so mercy is, that's the mercy of God. It's greater than any sin. It's greater than any sin we could ever commit. God's mercy. I said this morning at the mass, I'd like to share a quick story with you. My uncle. My great uncle, actually, my dad's uncle, was in World War II. And uh, he was the third man over the Remagen Bridge. And uh, God bless those soldiers, man. Those were, the, those were the toughest, bravest guys. Man, 
I see those guys. You ever want you want you want to be humbled? Watch the first 20 minutes of Private Ryan, Saving Private Ryan. Unbelievable. Well, anyway, my uncle really um, led a wayward life after the war. But then he started coming back to God. Um, we've had some real tragedies in our family. His son, my cousin Dougie, was killed at 16 years old in an auto accident. And it just, it, it really affected him. Well, anyway, my uncle Frank later on, as he started coming back to the faith, and um, he really became strong, especially through EWTN. He started learning about his faith. And, and he was on there and he was watching. I was there in the house watching EWTN from Stockbridge, Massachusetts. All right, I'm in my early 20s. I'm not really sure about my faith yet. And I'm watching my Uncle Frank, and he's coming back to the faith, and he's watching this. And Father Kosicki, God bless him, he says on that broadcast, no sin is greater than the mercy of God. Now, what's funny is my uncle was struggling because he said he believes that he estimates pretty conservatively that he probably killed at least 50 Germans. He's pretty sure of that. He was pretty sure of that. He's now passed away. But he's pretty sure that he's killed close to 50 Germans in the war. And so it really started to bother him. It started to really struggle with this. And so he's watching Father Kosicki. And Father Kosicki says, yeah, the, no sin is greater than the mercy of God. And I'm sitting there next to my Uncle Frank. He's watching this. And he turns around to me and he says, boy, am I glad to hear that. <laughs> And I was like, that's it, Uncle Frank. And, you know, Uncle Frank came back with a vengeance to the church. And you know what's funny? My Uncle Frank told us, he said, because my dad said, you know, because um, I was getting ready to be ordained. And Uncle Frank was just, he was so excited. And he says, if they have to wheel me in on a stretcher, because he lived in, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> he lives in Michigan, lived in Michigan. He said, if they have to wheel me in in a stretcher, I am not missing Chris's ordination. He said, I will be there. I don't care if you have to put oxygen tanks on me and an iron lung. You're getting me into that ordination. He died two weeks before I was ordained. But I know <laughs> that he's up there, that he's up there because he's the living proof that no matter what we've done in our life, God can forgive us and will forgive us if we ask, right? This is the whole essence. So everybody, this is what God is promising. Go to confession, receive Holy Communion, become spotless, get rid of the stain of sin, get rid of the stain of punishment. This is why Father Seraphim said it's like a second baptism. Now it isn't a second baptism, but it's like it, you know? Okay, and I want to finish finish this, this part, Father Seraphim used to always say that, that actually Divine Mercy Sunday is greater than Easter. And I, I always say, I said this yesterday, I never went that far because it just didn't sound right. And the fact really is that it's all one day, right? It's an octave. So it's all one day. Easter to, to Divine Mercy Sunday is all one day. And so I never went as far as that to say that it was greater. But you know what? I think Father Seraphim's right. And I just discovered this. I've done all these talks on, on, on Divine Mercy, and I've never mentioned this because I never believed it. Now, Father Seraphim, you're still coaching me from upstairs because I think he was right. Now, listen to this. All right. First of all, we were redeemed on Easter Sunday. Everybody was redeemed. Now. Well, I guess I can just give you the answer to the first question. <laughs> Has all of mankind, every human who's ever lived, been redeemed? Yeah. Yes. Christ opened the door to heaven. You are redeemed. But will every human be saved? No. no. Some will choose. This is why 
He claimed Divine Mercy Sunday was greater. On Easter, we were redeemed. That's great. Nothing happens without it. But on Easter Sunday, I'm sorry, on Easter Sunday, you are redeemed. But on Divine Mercy Sunday, you are saved. What did he mean by that? Father Seraphim, and it took me finding a video of his just recently. I wish I could go back and redo all these Divine Mercy videos I've done. Because why it's greater is because on Easter Sunday, Jesus opened the door to heaven. All right. On Easter Sunday, Jesus opened the door to heaven. This is powerful. But on Divine Mercy Sunday, you walk through that door. You walk through it. And, and, and this is what's so powerful. Now, Thomas Aquinas used to teach us. Now you're going back to seminary with me. I only got eight minutes left to do this. You're going to get to seminary in eight minutes. <laughs> Thomas Aquinas said there are two perfections in any person. One, that you exist. You all have that perfection. You exist. You were created by God. That is a form of perfection, the very fact that you exist. You know what he said? The second and greater perfection is when you become what you were created to be. You've all heard me use the example that what is the, and the, the Greeks call it a telos. When you realize that for which you're created. You ever say like, gee, I just, I want to know my calling. What is my vocation? Don't get caught up on this too deeply though. Some people, I had this one woman come to me and she was convinced that she was to be a nun and she missed her calling. And she said, father, I was to be a nun. Absolutely to be a nun. I upset God. I'm not a nun. I'm going to do it now. I'm going to go leave and I'm going to become a nun. I go, what do you mean by leave? She's married with three children. (laughs) No, it is not God's will. You be a nun. Now, maybe it was at the time, but God never shuts you out. You make your decision and then God will meet you where you're at. If you, if you were called to be a nun, but you miss it, God's not going to disown you. But now he's going to say, be the best wife and mother you can be. Right? All right. So now on divine mercy Sunday, we enter heaven on Easter Sunday. He opened the door on divine mercy Sunday. We enter through it. What does the Baltimore catechism teach why we were created? To know God, love him and serve him and be happy with him forever in heaven. When you go through that door, you've realized the reason for which you were created. It's the second creation. It's the second perfection. It is what Thomas Aquinas and all of the church fathers said is a greater perfection than the first. So if Easter Sunday got opened the door to heaven... On Divine Mercy Sunday, you walk through that door, but you can't walk through it until you're spotless. And you can't be spotless until you get to confession and communion. You see how this ties? And so St. Augustine, listen to this. St. Augustine said, the eighth day is the compendium of the days of mercy, the greatest day. Listen to St. Thomas, the apostle in the apostolic constitutions. After eight days, after the feast of Easter, this is an apostle. After eight days, after the feast of uh, of Easter, let there be another feast observed with honor. The eighth day itself on which he gave me Thomas. Why? When is the first divine mercy Sunday? You're going to hear the readings tomorrow. Jesus comes into the upper room. And guess who's there? Thomas. This is the eighth day because it says the first day of the next week after the resurrection. This is the Sunday, which was the first day after the resurrection. Thomas doesn't, and he doubts. And basically Thomas is saying, we need a feast on this day. 
So basically he says the eighth day itself on which he gave me Thomas, who was hard of belief, full of assurance by showing me the print of his nails and the wound made in his side by the spear. So basically what Thomas is saying is we need this feast on the eighth day. Now listen to the doctor of the church, St. Gregory of Nazianzen. He said the octave day of Easter, meaning the eighth day, this is, this is a doctor of the church is even a greater feast than Easter, though it takes nothing whatsoever away from the greatness of Easter of the resurrection itself, because they are the same day. It is, he says, Easter Sunday is the boundary between death and life, a creation. But the eighth day, the octave, is the fulfillment of what Easter is all about. He said it fulfills Easter. Perfect life in eternity, a second creation, more admirable and more sublime than the first. Everybody the first perfection is to be created that you exist. The second perfection is to become what God created you to be. We are all created. We all have that first perfection. But when we enter into heaven, we've achieved the second perfection. We enter into heaven. That is why on Easter Sunday, he opened the door. But on Divine Mercy Sunday, we walk through it. But to walk through it, we got to be purified, cleansed, spotless. This is why he gives us Divine Mercy Sunday. I know I'm almost done. I got two minutes. All right. So... So yes, we can get a plenary indulgence, which is very similar. Wipe away all sins and punishment for a holy soul. But the divine mercy Sunday grace is only for yourself. Okay. All right. Very important. All right. This is why the promise of divine mercy Sunday. And oh, oh here's St. Thomas. I forgot that slide. Sorry. Here's St. Thomas. What is he doing there? Poking the side. All right. St. Gregory and Enzienzen, January 3rd. So remember January 3rd. Remember July 3rd, January 3rd, July 3rd. They both said this. Now, Jesus says, on that day, the very depths of my tender mercy are open. I pour out a whole ocean of graces upon those souls who approach the fount of my mercy. Here it is, everybody, the extraordinary promise. The soul that will go to confession and receive holy communion shall obtain complete forgiveness of sins and punishment. This is the key. So when you go, this is not mandatory. My brothers have been getting on me. I've never said this is mandatory. To get a grace that God offers, there's different kinds of graces. God gives you some graces without you knowing or asking for it. Other graces, we have to ask for. This grace of Divine Mercy Sunday, you have to consciously do what Jesus says. So make this prayer and it will help guarantee you the grace. I am not saying this is a requirement. I am saying this will help you to ask for the grace. What is this prayer? After receiving <clears throat> Holy Communion, this is what you got to remember. Come back to your pew and say a prayer, something like this. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, you promised St. Faustina that the soul that has been to confession, I have, and the soul that receives holy communion with trust in divine mercy, 
I have will receive the complete forgiveness of all sins and punishment. Lord, please give me this grace. Jesus, I trust in you. This is unbelievable. What God has given us forgiveness of sins. Now check this out, everybody. Uh, I'm going to go one more minute. For do you know that forgiveness of sins is greater than the act of creation? Everybody thinks of the act of creation and how important it was. It is important. It was great. But do you know that the forgiveness of sins in the sacrament of confession is greater? Why? It is a greater act than creation because it's an act with an eternal effect. Creation does not have an eternal effect. It will all end. Creation is in time and will end. Forgiveness of sins is eternal. It will never end. Do you know confession is greater than an exorcism? Everybody who wants to say, oh, I got to get an exorcism, go to confession. Confession is a sacrament. Exorcism is just a sacramental. Confession is greater. What about this? We got a couple of quotes. This is what we have. Look at that. Divine mercy is not optional. This is why we come. Then Jesus, this is why these people are here. Why? Because Jesus says, I cannot punish even the greatest sinner if he makes an appeal to my compassion. On the contrary, I justify him in my unfathomable and unscrutable mercy. This is unbelievable. Diary 1146. What about this? This is why Jesus said, I have eternity for punishing. So I am prolonging the time of mercy for the sake of sinners. But woe to them if they do not recognize this time of my visitation. And finally... I am giving mankind the last hope of salvation. That is recourse to my mercy. And that includes the feast. This is amazing, everybody. And so, um, uh, I mean, first of all, remember, when you get this cleansing tomorrow, it doesn't cleanse everything in the future. Okay? Okay? It cleanses the past. Be grateful for that. All right? Now, do you have to go to confession on that day? You can go today as long as you're in a state of grace. Faustina went the Saturday before uh, Divine Mercy Sunday. So, and, and now, is the grace only for yourself or can you give it to Holy Soul? Only for yourself. The plenary indulgence you can do on this day for a holy soul. All right? You can go to confession anytime before as long as you're in a state of grace. Can non-Catholics get this grace? Oh. Teach a non-Catholic to do something very similar. They may not go to the sacrament of confession and communion, but here's what they can do. Make an act of contrition. Just telling God that you're sorry. And then make a spiritual communion, uniting yourself with God. This is what you tell a non-Catholic. However, there's no greater way than the sacraments. The sacraments. All right, I finished two minutes late, but I'm going to finish with a 45-second video. Some of you have probably seen this, but I love it. This is a little 45-second summary of everything was to this novice considered no one special by her superior that Jesus Christ would quietly entrust a great mission. Christ instructed Faustina to remind the world about God's unfathomable mercy. She was to accomplish this by introducing new devotional practices to honor mercy and by establishing a worldwide movement of souls dedicated to spreading divine mercy. Jesus directed Faustina to proclaim to the world that even the worst and most hopeless sinner was deserving of God's infinite mercy. It is divine mercy, he said, that will determine the future destiny 
of the world. Speak to the world about my mercy. Let all mankind recognize my unfathomable mercy. It is a sign for the end times. After it will come the day of justice. While there is still time, let them have recourse to the fount of my mercy. Wow. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, everybody. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. God bless you. Thank you so much, everybody. God bless you for coming. We're thankful to everybody. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.